Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Take a pause from your to-do list with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Welcome to Boss Level, a podcast where we feature conversations with guests who have leveled up, bringing an XP boost to the table. Today, we'll be talking to Kelsey Beecham, a game writer and narrative designer best known for her narrative work on award-winning space adventure game Outer Wilds, as well as the Outer Worlds DLCs. But before we get started, I'll take a moment to introduce both of your hosts for today. As always, we're a party of two on each episode, and today that's myself, Psyche, and my lovely co-host, Jess Brohard. Jess, how are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you for that intro. That sounded so good and so profesh. And thank uh, you. I'm excited for this episode because I feel like it's it's been a while since I've uh, <laughs> been on the podcast. Like scheduling and such has kept me away. And I know yep. the other three of you have been taking it. But I know you're so excited about our guest today, aren't you, Psyche? I really am. I'm not trying really hard not to nerd out on the fact that I really <laughs> loved Outer Wilds and uh, it, it was a game that profoundly affected me. So I'm very excited to talk to Kelsey today. Kelsey, thank you so much for joining us. Would you like to take a moment to introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about you and what you do. Hello. Sure. My gosh, I, I, I'm flustered now. You've got me flummoxed already. <laughs> I <laughs> actually should have warned you. You can't compliment me directly to my face or I do like just melt into a puddle of goo for I a while. I do that too. So it's totally fine. <laughs> oh, wonderful. So yeah, Gooigi is kind of like, mm, I'm here for it with that Luigi's Mansion. Uh, I know that's not a timely reference, but God, I feel that man so hard. <laughs> so hi. Yes, I'm Kelsey Beecham. Uh, I am a writer and narrative designer. Probably. Yeah. If anyone knows me from anything, it'll be Outer Wilds. Boy, I, I don't even know. Sometimes I don't know how to introduce myself just because my career has been kind of odd. But um, So yeah. talk about your favorite game instead, then. What's your favorite game? Yes. Tell Let's us some personal stuff. What's your favorite pasta? I don't know. Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> linguine, I think, because it really pleases me that it's flat. Mm. It's really nice. I feel um, that. <laughs> 
<laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Um, I just I just want to go back to Elden Ring because we were kind of talking about that oh very brief, okay. like it came up and now I'm like, oh, right. that's where my head is. This came up that. Pre, <laughs> pre-podcast episode starting. We were talking about Elden Ring very briefly. We were like, we, were like, we got to cut ourselves that's off, save for the podcast. Yep. But now okay, here we are. Okay, let's talk about Elden Ring. Where are you in Elden Ring? How is it going? Tell me all about it. No, this is the crazy part. I think I'm the only the only game dev in the world right now not playing Elden Ring. Really? Um, I am watching it oh. instead because yeah, I'm okay. I'm recovering from some repetitive motion injuries, and it's oh, been no. really hard to jam on those boss fights where you're like, no, must beat <laughs> neck man. Yeah. Uh, so I've been watching my partner play it instead, and I've been I have kind of a bingo card going of like monsters I assume will come up. Uh, mm. And it's all kind of like, you know, um, undead woman without eyes or eyes covered. Um, <laughs> Spirit wolf was kind of a gimme, like ghost wolf. I, I don't know. Yeah. That's basically the free space. Um, mm-hmm. You know, at some point, like t- tea kettle, I, I assume. Uh, <laughs> the other day I watched him. I was watching my partner fight some some guys that. I mean, that's the Burger King mascot, right? Yes. Okay. I've been calling them the Burger King because that's what it is. I I don't know where their helmet came from, but they definitely look like the Burger King mascot. Right? 100%. Weird. And but then that kind of is like a, a go-to for From Software, right? Like their games, their characters are kind of weird. <laughs> oh, yeah. 100%. And I love it. I'm here for it. But also, mm-hmm. like, he killed so many Burger Kings and I just... <laughs> In my my nerdy, world building, lore obsessed heart of hearts, I don't think that's a viable theocracy. No, like, I don't think that's going to go well. Like that's no. you got to narrow that down, man. <laughs> <laughs> my my current thing is I'm trying to figure out what the lore behind the Burger King mask is because I've encountered a boss that has a face that looks kind of like the Burger King helmet and I'm like is it based on him or is that just a coincidence because there's got to be something going on there I have heard a lot of people geek out about the lore but I feel like it's one of those games where it's like you don't have time for lore man you're getting attacked (laughs) by a house it's true. <laughs> but it's, I just want to know the house's weird. motivations. Yeah, like why, why is the why is the, why is the house attacking me? I'm so here for it. Um, Kat Manning, um, who's also a narrative designer, tremendous. Uh, she's uh, recently tweeted something about um, uh, just kind of needing to know your internal like consistencies when you're when you're doing world building, and I'm I'm so big on that, and mm-hmm. I'm such a nerd about it. But there are there are a couple of Boy, I want to say sticking points with this, where sometimes people think that means um, put all of the lore into the game. Right. Holy shit, no. (laughs) (laughs) Like, there's so much that gets left on the cutting room floor, even in just, like, Mm. Outer Wilds. And, like, it kills me a little bit. Like, I want to talk about it. I want to be like, oh, my God, here's all this stuff. But, like, at the same time, like, that would have been a terrible game. Yeah. But I'm such a big advocate of you have to know this stuff internally, you know, like across just even across disciplines like like audio needs to know this stuff or or, mm-hmm. or design obviously um and it's it's yeah i'm just i'm a huge nerd for that stuff man is I there anything it. that you were allowed to talk about that didn't make it into the final cut of outer wilds that was mm-hmm. like you you spent a long time on and you really like had this passion for and then it you know unfortunately couldn't make it to the final game so it's not canon because it's not really in the final game and we've <laughs> never published it so this is this is not official but at one point we were talking about like bodies and such. And like, we don't have for the Nomai, we don't have 
like graves or anything like that. Mm. We have some kind of memorial stuff. And it's like, well, yeah, that makes sense. If they're a nomadic people, it is weird that they would bury their dead because they're just leaving them behind mm. in that sense. It just it, it affects the way that you think about death, I think, and the way that you you treat. Um, I don't want to say disposing of your dead, but like mm. you handle your dead. So it made the most sense to me that they did some form of, you know, space cremation, um, mm. which of course means in our case, I, I think it does heavily imply that we're low-key launching Know My Bodies into the sun. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I love that. And I have to say, it's funny because one of the things, I, I will get into this later because I have prepared notes and questions very selfishly because I love the game. No, um, no, I'm delighted. I really Otherwise, did. you'll just hear me rambling for like <laughs> the rest of my life. <laughs> so for me, I, I what I really appreciated, and I, like I said, I don't want to dig too deeply in before we've got fully acquainted with you, but um, I really like the fact that it, it was an almost very bittersweet game and that it, it dealt with heavy topics, but in a way that was very uh, beautiful and accessible oh, and you. approachable rather than it being like just really heavy all the time. Because there's some games that I feel can be quite miserable and that's not a bad thing. The only way to win is not to play. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And there have been games like that where I've watched someone else stream it and I've just known this game will break me as a human being if I play it myself. You know what I mean? Shadow of the Colossus. Oh my God, A hundred times over. Um, Oh yeah. I've never played it, but I've seen people play it and I keep being told I should play it, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know if my heart can take it. (laughs) I watched my brother play it as, uh, as a youth and... Like, it's gorgeous. Like, the boss mm-hmm. battles are incredible. Climbing around on these giant colossies are just, oh, my God. But also, you kind of know what's coming. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, time to die. <laughs> time to be incredibly <laughs> sad. So, yeah, I don't go in for games that are, like, relentlessly sad. Yeah, or relentlessly, exactly. That's what like, I was thinking. Note. It's sometimes you need a little bit of, like, an uplift. Otherwise, it's just all the way downhill. <laughs> It's definitely a skill to be able to kind of blend at least a little mm. bit of humor and lightheartedness and, yeah. and whatnot into something that's incredibly sad, potentially. And especially just, I, I guess the thing that bugs me about a lot of games is that we conceive of a lot of societies, we being the collective game dev, mm-hmm. you know, um, a lot of societies where it's just sad all the time. And I'm like, mm-hmm. people are people, regardless yeah. of where you go, or they're aliens. But y- you know what I mean? <laughs> like, you can't have a society that doesn't have joy or play or like, yeah. you know, positive moments. That's that's insane. And it doesn't feel developed to me. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel like a rich, genuinely existing world. It's just kind of like, here's some sad dudes in space. <laughs> sad <laughs> dudes sad. in space. <laughs> <laughs> the title of my next work... <laughs> I want to bring it back to what Jess asked. Not the pasta question, because we already know your favorite pasta. Um, what's your favorite game of all time? If you had to pick one. How dare you? <laughs> That's always oh, a tough question. No. Asking someone to pick is. one it's favorite. Really hard. Can we ask her top five instead? What's your top oh, five favorite? Oh, Jess is so much nicer than me. No, I know. That's, that's a lot kinder, and it's still difficult. It's like when people ask me my favorite book, and I'm like, oh, what genre? <laughs> uh, um, gosh. Okay. Uh, all right. All right. All right. All right. One of them is definitely Animal Crossing. Um, and yeah. I know that's a bit of an cool. odd one for somebody that makes so many like open world action games. <laughs> but I think the way you interact with characters had a big kind of that and also the idea. Um, God, I'm going to date myself here, but I can remember the original, the very first Animal Crossing that came out in the US had mm-hmm. these advertisements for it. That was like something, something the the game that's happening 24 hours a day whether you're playing or not 
And that actually had a big impact on how I thought about game worlds. I'm like, oh, right, because it's not just a thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, it's only a thing when I turn the game on. But the idea that stuff is happening, that people are mm-hmm. interacting and doing their own things and living their own lives outside of what I'm doing as the main character. Um, I don't know. That feels really good to me. I feel like that's a huge part of making a game feel immersive. Um, yeah, that's so cool. I'll, I'll give them that. Plus the sense of humor, I think. Um, yeah. It's kind of just dry in a way where it's like they just drop it's a joke cheeky. and they're like, yeah. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> that's how I've, I think, tended to write humor is very like, here's a joke, but we're not going to like stop and jazz hands about it. Like, it's not <laughs> joke, pause for laughter. It's like, maybe this is funny. Anyway, here's the plot. <laughs> <laughs> so definitely that one. Definitely the Zelda franchise mm. um, as a whole. Uh, probably the one that has influenced me personally the most is The Wind Waker. Oh, cool. Um, Breath of the Wild seems like it would be the obvious one, but that came out like long enough after we had really gotten into the meat of development with Outer Wilds and stuff that it didn't it didn't impact that as much as mm-hmm. you'd think. As as much as the Wind Waker did. Because my brother really loved the whole um like somebody could talk about like, oh, this is from, you know, this far off place and blah blah blah. And then you could go there. So that was big to him. And also again, kind of for me, it goes back to the world feeling connected. Um the fact that it's not just here's a region and people in that, and then here is mm-hmm. another region and the people in that. Even just having beetles show up at various points on the map, like that did make it feel a lot more like people are moving around and doing things. Yeah. Um, so those are two very obvious, easy ones for me. And then it gets trickier. <laughs> I love Hollow Knight. I tell you what, that one's huge for me. I still haven't played that. And it's a game Neither I keep oh, being told I have to play. Because I like Halloween and I like spooky things and I feel like it would fit pretty well, but I've just never played it. It is gorgeous and stunning and like the art's incredible, the music's incredible. It's one of those things where I guess all of the different um, disciplines kind of really fuse together nicely in a way that often I find is more prevalent in indie games because Mm -hmm. it's Maybe just because, you know, fewer people means it's easier to adhere to one particular vision. But I don't know. It's really gorgeous. Um, and it's difficult. And I love yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not so much in the way of writing there. But, you know, that's just a fun one. Um, oh, my God. I'm trying to like, I'm, I'm thinking in my head of the games that I go back to a lot. And then I'm like, okay, but is that really a game that I qualify as like one of my top whatevers? <laughs> and listen, like, we're hard. not going to call you out on it later and be like, you said that was your favorite game. Yeah, what me, is this, Kelsey? You mentioned this before. Oh, <laughs> I will throw down if I have to. <laughs> I'm, actually, I'm still a really big fan of uh, Night in the Woods um, is a good oh, one for me. Cool. And if you're into Halloween, that is a great, mm-hmm. like that's exactly the vibe you're looking for probably. Sweet. And then recently, like more recently anyway, um, like a short hike. I really oh. love indie games. Like, and a short hike for me captured a lot of that feeling of like being a kid running around in the woods, mm-hmm. collecting sticks and buttons and things. Um, yeah. I don't know if those last three were necessarily like full on favorites, but they're they're definitely up there. And I, mean, I, realize I feel I'm, like my favorites kind of wobble back and forth depending on my yeah. mood and the place in life that I'm in. I find that sure. some games appeal more or like resonate more with me than they did before. So I get that. I, especially right now with you know the pandemic still being a whole thing um don't know mm-hmm. if you were aware of that that's still going on but <laughs> really <laughs> sorry i know it's a terrible joke i just i don't have any more left um <laughs> i'm so sad <laughs> and i really love people um mm-hmm. for an introvert i'm incredibly social so like that's been a tough one so i've been playing a ton of like co-op games right um, and i've been playing kiwi it's oh it's so cute so good 
Oh my it's god, so it's so good. Oh, you gotta, have you not you seen it, Jess? It's so I don't good. think I have. Oh my god, tell okay, me about so it. You you play as either one or two. Uh, you you can play with a friend. Two kiwis, uh, the birds, not the. I was at the brood. Oh, the brood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like I should specify. It'll be cute um, if you're playing as little fruit. I don't know. Yeah, well, it could be cute. So it's a super cute game where you play as these two kiwis and you have to, like, you work in a mail office and you have to send letters. Ooh. And sure. it's just adorable. That sounds it's really wholesome. That's so charming. I, it really is. Oh, my God. Um, so I love that. And then I, I'm thinking about open world games that I really love. And boy, I don't know whether to put Subnautica on that list or not because I've had a Very lot of good. fun playing subnautica but like oh my god mm-hmm. i knew going in i have a fear of deep water <laughs> oh dear <laughs> but those types of games do you know what i mean like where there's like yeah crafting i've been playing the forest which is kind of like a co-op mm-hmm. open world uh there's some crafting involved like the crafting's really minecraft has been kind of a soothing game for me as well yeah. and i know that's not really not like the most timely on games at the moment but <laughs> just sitting there being that's like fine. all right i'm going to construct these things and just anything that's like open world construction based mm-hmm. and allows at least the telling of, of your own story if not has an actual story for you to discover that's that's i've been really big on that lately yeah i get that i'm curious about how being a you know narrative designer has changed the way you personally consume games because like are you constantly looking for you know inspiration and thinking you know kind of what can I take away from this game and use in my work or is it a much more passive experience than that that is a really good question I haven't considered it really um because growing up my brother is very much uh his name is Alex Alex is very much the type of person that's like he just kind of broke down games already in his head where he's like, oh, this design element is good and this design element, but I don't like this part of it. And mm. even games we love, we were able to have that conversation with each other and kind of it kind of eventually got to a point of like how we might change things because we made games together growing up um, in different ways, whether that was like as little kids, like with Lego or like and we had like a Lego controller and stuff and you had to say like jump to jump, that kind of thing, um, all mm. the way up to like, you know, paper prototypes of stuff. So that was kind of just a language we had in common. And so I was looking at games a lot going like, oh, you know, like, I don't really like how they did this with, you know, the story or this with like this, the way this character talks. Sure. And then Alex would be like, okay, well, tell me about that. And I'd be like, oh, I think that maybe if they were going to improve it, they could do X, Y, Z. And it was just a very organic. So I kind of learned at the same time um, I was, you know, studying fiction or whatnot in general, because I was an English major. Uh, By that point, I was also able to break down, you know, same deal with like movies. They were having us break down movies. They were having us break down Mm -hmm. um, novels. I studied comic books for a semester or two. Cool. (laughs) It's part of my senior thesis. That was a blast. Um, So games were just kind of another form. Any form of media where you're telling a story is something you should be able to to kind of talk about, Mm -hmm. I think, critically in that way, if you're somebody that cares about story. Um, Which is to say, to actually answer your question... Uh, sometimes I do when I'm playing games, I'm like, okay, like this is a fun element. How would I make this better? Or like, and, and, and Mm -hmm. that's, (sighs) I'm cautious with that because sometimes it's like, you did not have, you know, the, the, um, the work power. I'm trying to find find a word that's for manpower. That's not manpower. Um, yeah. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? (laughs) 
the, like the resources and the time yeah, and yeah. the money potentially to to make it the the, the thing like I don't think there's a narrative designer in the world out there or game writer who has ever looked at a game and gone, yep, that's exactly what I wanted to do with it. Mm-hmm. And I would not do anything more. <laughs> like it's yeah. always, we're always limited by, you know, resources yeah. and everything like that, logistics. But I do like to challenge myself to look at things and be like, okay, I didn't enjoy how this information was delivered or I didn't have fun with this character experience. Mm-hmm. What would I personally do to make that fun? Because that's that's kind of it, is you're always looking at your end goal of, is the player experience positive and enjoyable? So That makes sense. I can see that. Too um, Long Did Not Read is just, <laughs> I look at it, and I'm like, yeah, maybe I could change that. But it's not <laughs> yeah. the most, I, I'm not playing a game to be like, now to critique the story. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's fair. Well, and it sounds like you have like a, just a wide variety of genres of games. And it just sounds like you just play an awful lot of games, which I think I like <laughs> Stephen King is, I think it's Stephen King is famously like quoted as saying, you can't be a good writer without like, you have to read a lot if you want to mm-hmm. be a good writer. And I'm sure like, do you feel it's the same way with the work that you do? Like you just have to consume a lot of games? I think so, to be honest, um, at least to get your starts. But mm-hmm. like, like you have to read a lot too. If you're not reading novels, oh, sure. you're not going to get a good sense of. So I think that's still that's still fair, Mr. King. Um, also, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I I don't have a good sense of if I play more games than average or not. But um, I definitely think the more games that you play, you have to both play video games. This is what I tell people when they're like, "How would I go about becoming, you know, a mm-hmm. game writer slash narrative designer?" It's like, go play games. And yeah. look at how they're doing story and think about that critically and then go make some games of your own, even if it's just small stuff. So, yeah, I think I think it's pretty critical. You have to play games. And you're definitely right that I play a lot of genres. Um, I don't know if I needed to do I need to do that. But at the same time, like you get ideas from weird places. So, yeah, I get that. I'm going to ask a very selfish question. I'm once again going to drag us back to Outer Wilds. Um, because you're talking about narrative design and how you have to play a lot of games to kind of get a feel for like how to tell a story and how to tell a story through the medium of games. Um, Outer Wilds is told narratively in a really unique way. And um, for anyone who's listening who doesn't know how Outer Wilds is told, I'm not going to tell you because it would spoil the game. And I am a firm believer that you should play that game without even watching the trailer, without reading anything about it. You should go in and play it. And if you like space, you'll love it. But it's it's got a really unique way of telling its story because the player has to piece together parts from different angles depending on what they're doing at the time and then put the story together. What kind of challenges did you face while trying to construct that story and trying to tell that story? Oh, man. <laughs> uh, that was... I'll tell you about how we made it. Um, so it... it and I think this is fairly common knowledge, so forgive me for bringing it up. But um, Alex, no, absolutely. originally that started as his uh, senior thesis project for his master's. Um, and so he knew kind of the basic beats of the story, like the big, big stuff. We kind of mm-hmm. knew what the ending would have to be, roughly. Um, we knew where like the player started. We knew kind of where the Nomai started, which is this different alien species. You're playing as a Harthian. Um we knew what those big beats were and we kind of just then talked and we we're like, all right, how do we get from this point to this, you know, point A to B? And that's mm-hmm. it's subdividing a lot of those. But it's also you're treating each one. If you're thinking of it like a constellation, for example, uh, each little star, each little instance of the player stopping and reading some text or having a particular experience that has to be self-contained. Um, 
I, I did some, I did a GDC talk in 20, boy, 21. So it was digital. Uh, I, I was supposed to do it in 2020. And then obviously yeah. we did not do that in person. <laughs> but it was fun to talk about because I got to break this down. Each little instance of story has to be its own self-contained thing. Mm -hmm. uh, it has to teach you something new. It has to be fun or enjoyable in some capacity to read. Um, it has to have a takeaway. So you have to kind of know where to go next to learn right. more about that particular story thread. But it also has to kind of tell you where it came from, because that could be the first piece of story you're encountering. And if you mm -hmm. want to trace it back to its origin, I'm gesturing wildly here on camera. I'm like, oh, this is a podcast. That's right. <laughs> it doesn't help very much. Um, it has to basically work both ways. It's It's got to be bi-directional. And at one point, we sat down with this massive Excel spreadsheet. We just listed everything out, all of the stories, all mm -hmm. of the key points, all the takeaways, um, and tried to just kind of get our heads around, all right, here are the main strings and here was where they need to intersect. But yeah, it, it was a lot of also like at the surface level, literally the surface on the surface of planets. That's mm -hmm. where you're going to find kind of the easy bits that are not necessarily the start of a story, but right. it'll be easy for you to pick that up and go, okay, I see I'm, you know, they're, they're looking for something, you know, on the moon, you learn that they're, they're trying to find this particular thing and okay, they couldn't detect it. So they need to build a more sensitive version of this instrument at this mm -hmm. other location. I kind of ramble with this. I'm so sorry. It's just, it's no, so, please. it's so specific and weird and hard to explain. The The challenges being, we had to make sure the players could piece the story together mm -hmm. overall. And also we couldn't play test that until all the story was in place. Oh yeah. So we were really asking people to take a big chance on this game. And even like our publisher, we were asking like, hey, I know this is not, you know, necessarily the most uh, easy to understand thing mm -hmm. right now, but I swear we will calibrate it to the right. And we kept we kept thinking, oh, this will be too easy for people to to understand. And like consistently, we were always making clues harder or no, sorry, not harder, easier. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, that's a tricky one. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, it was just largely trusting the player to want to figure that out. So I had yeah. to make them real freaking interesting. It's really interesting because I'd never really thought about the challenges. I So I, I come from a not game dev, but I worked in the games industry. Mm. Um, and I actually, one of the first things that I ended up working on was localization. We were localizing from a really, really super roughly translated uh, game text in an Excel spreadsheet that had been roughly translated into English and then trying to piece that together into something that made proper sense and rewording stuff because it was it was coming from like, I think it was coming from Chinese into English and then realizing that some of the like names they picked for characters didn't really work. So having to like rework those and stuff. I yeah. never really thought about the challenges of taking a game that is very, frankly, one of the most non-linear games I've ever played, um, and then having to play test it and not being able to do that till you're done. I must be sweaty palms for a while there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we are going to take a super short ad break. Thank you so much. We'll see you back here in a few moments. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my, look at that, he is! And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win! Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. 
Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The wait is over. The shy returns May 10th on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the south side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay. So you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs. Yeah. Like check out these hair. I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. Hey, <laughs> hey, stranger. I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that with everyone you meet? try to act like they, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So, what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self, and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, and we're back. Welcome back to Boss Level from that little break. And Kelsey, something I'm actually really curious about, you mentioned like something about inspiration can come from, you know, where you're not expecting it and games that you're not necessarily expecting to draw inspiration from. Do you have any examples of times that's happened to you when it's been like kind of an offbeat game or something you weren't expecting to draw inspiration from? Oh, man, that's really fun. Oh, I'm trying to think of like what the weird, the single weirdest one. I love weird ones. I want to say Terry Pratchett in a in a big oh, way. Cool. I mean, I adore the Discworld novels, mm-hmm. but there was something he had written where he'd done like a footnote 
about someone who had discovered a particular thing. And mm-hmm. that factored back into a, a some flavor text I was writing about like a plant and that like, oh my God, like people's real lives. Um, yeah. I, I, I know people who have uh, worked for, you know, as government agents in particular, you know, I don't cool. want to get too specific yeah, there, but I've talked to them say. about their experiences. Um, <laughs> like my neighbors sometimes, uh, their kind of personalities will make it in a bit. Um, oh, that's have, You know, I'm really careful not to like ever pull too directly from that, mm-hmm. but just it's, it's, it's anything like that. It's, you know, um, looking at rocks, it's going to like, <laughs> I learned how to fight with a bow staff a while back and like. Oh, really? That, yeah. Oh my God. It's the most fun. Oh that's my God. Cool. There's there's no better exercise than sparring, I swear, because like I just mm. uh, several hours go by and I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm <laughs> too focused on. Yeah, that's the best kind of exercise is you look up and you're like, oh, well, I've done so much of it. <laughs> yeah, that totally also reminds me, speaking of exercise and such, you used to do roller derby. I did. Yes. <laughs> I'm so curious about that. Yeah. I roller skate, but I don't have any aspirations of doing roller derby because I think I'm a little too like I'm too much of a weenie, you know, for like I, I, I'm too like, oh, excuse me. Oh, excuse You know, I'm not going to I can't get out there. And <laughs> man, you would think I'm kind of like that too in normal life. But like I uh, I mostly I was a jammer, um, which is the the fast one that goes around and tries to score points they've since changed the rules a bit um in a way that i'm not sure i would be as good at roller derby anymore but yeah i actually i went and uh i was in ireland for a bit in college um doing a work placement abroad and i actually got to skate there <laughs> so oh, we're saying he's from ireland so that's I why i realized to that we're gesture. doing the thing where we make hand gestures and facial expressions yeah. on video and i'm like nobody can hear this <laughs> these finger guns are just for you <laughs> It was actually fun fact. Part of uh, Ireland's first first roller derby. Really, <laughs> that's no so way. cool. That's really it was, cool. It was like Dublin versus itself, like on the team, and they were just oh my god, they were just the sweetest women. Oh oh my god, and their coach. Sounds like fun. Um, it was a really cool way to get to experience. Yeah, mm, that but, is so cool. But that kind of, I mean, like that's a great like I've had to write about you know like made up sports or i've made up sports myself and like if mm-hmm. i want them to be properly absurd that's a great one to pull from so i had some irish coworkers who were just like i would explain all of roller derby like all right and then like this is how you score points is it's me and i'm passing people on the other team they're like right right but where's the ball though <laughs> yeah <laughs> i love that i actually only learned what roller derby was like a few years ago right and i don't oh, even remember how i think it was in like a movie or tv or something and I was like, oh, I would have loved that. Because like I used to roller skate. I roller blade sometimes. I, that would have been so much fun. I'm also really rough and tumbly. I like I would love to shoulder barge some people yeah. on roller skates. That'd be fun. That's so it funny. Is, is it like a very American thing? I think it started that way. I hope I, I hope so. I'm not saying this and I'm just like being outrageous. But um, <laughs> it, back in the day, it kind of used to be like a like a performative thing. Like, mm. it was very like, oh, ladies playing sports and it's roller derby. But then it actually became like, no, like a physical, you know, aggressive. Yeah. Sure. Like, I say, I mean, my parents were always like, oh, you're going to break your hands. I'm like, I'm not going to break my hands. If anything, <laughs> like, I'll break my elbows. On. I need my hands. <laughs> <laughs> no, it looks like yeah. a lot of fun. I think I would say it started out definitely that sort of side of the world. Um, But from what I understand, it's not maybe not global global but like a lot mm-hmm. there's a lot of people doing it in different countries now a lot of countries have picked it up and then there's yeah, like a cool. like a world kind of tournament going That's on awesome. oh cool. yeah i love i've loved seeing it kind of just get brought up another like mm-hmm. i mean it wasn't huge in ireland when i was over there and now like they're doing so much more with it That's and like really cool. 
uh, it, I don't know. I was really privileged to get to see that, I think. Um, and also just it was a really cool because then people would always be like, all right, well, like, let's let's, you know, go to the pub after practice. Like, come with us. It'll be fun. I'm like, yes, please. I would love this. <laughs> so I got to meet a lot of really cool people that way. That's awesome. I you, yeah. you've had a very uh, varied history, I suppose, with the the roller derby, but also you started out working in editorial work, right, rather than narrative design. How did you draw your experience from that towards what you're doing now? Because it's it, I know it's quite similar in some ways, but it's very different in others. I would say it's yeah. It, um, so <laughs> I studied publishing in college. I did a double major. Because I wanted to study English, but I was also like, boy, I sure would like a job when I graduate. <laughs> no offense, English majors. I love all of you. <laughs> Godspeed. <laughs> um, so I, I was a proofreader for a while. And I waitressed a bit because I graduated during a recession. Uh, and right. then I was able to get a full-time job working in, of all places, the Cryogenic Society. Oh, um, Which is where I learned that cryogenics is not the same as cryonics. Because yes. cryonics is body freezing. Cryogenics is like actual like, science. Oh. <laughs> yeah, in, in in Ireland, I was uh, I was uh, working for a publishing company that handled some magazines like uh, Golf Golf Digest Ireland. Um, <laughs> I had I had never so I'm just kind of used to writing about subjects that I have right. no like personal expertise in. Right, because I talked to a lot of like scientists. I talked to a lot of you know, I did a lot of reading on golf um, because at That's the time I'd never played it. <laughs> That's so interesting because that must come in like such handy when you're yeah. if you're if you're you know creating a video game world like okay so if you're writing for like golf magazine or whatever and you're like I don't play golf but I learned how to write about golf really well it's like you can just take that skill and you can put it into this video game world where everything's made up nobody knows how to write about this yeah. video game world because it doesn't exist yet you are creating it like that's so fascinating that and if you're writing thank you <laughs> I I. I didn't think of it as particularly interesting until this moment. So now I'm now I'm blushing. Um, <laughs> I uh, uh, it's really useful for if you're doing things like with you know Outer Wilds, for example. My brother is brilliant, um, mm. and I'm doing my best. So <laughs> so he's uh, <laughs> we both pale in comparison to our little sister. Actually, my little sister Erin oh. is just crazy smart i think she's like what second or third in her law school right now wow and she was just casually like i'm gonna do law now and we we're like oh, okay and then she just crushed it but i like to make fun of her by being like oh but you're kind of the black sheep of the family because you haven't won any baftas have you <laughs> mm, better get going on that <laughs> 10 out of 10 love that <laughs> she can punch way harder than i can so i don't know why i do this to her <laughs> but anywho alex is um has always been super interested in like space and popular mechanics and like all kinds of, you know, I mean, I have a huge interest in science fiction, but he's much more the real world science side of it. Mm -hmm. um, he actually was studying engineering for a while um, when, before wow. he ended up going the games path. Um, I also think he's the reason I don't freak out because some people are like space. Oh, my God. When they go <laughs> to play the game and I'm like, no, I feel you. But also as a child, like a young kid, you know, nine or whatever, Alex is like telling me, you know, black holes are interesting. Here's what happens. Here's what spaghettification <laughs> is. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I'm too young for an existential crisis. <laughs> so I got used to it. But he obviously one of the big mechanics in the game um, is based very loosely off of kind of a fun idea of what would quantum mechanics look like on a macroscopic level. Mm -hmm. And it's my job as a game writer to explain that <laughs> to people, to, you know, all of us lay people out here who are like, 
what? I'm yeah. like, I'm reading the Wikipedia page on quantum mechanics and I'm like, I have to go lie down. So <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask, actually, because uh, I so one of the things I really liked was I had weirdly I don't know why this happened. Maybe it's some kind of weird quantum shenanigans, but I had just been reading about quantum mechanics, not in any like particularly deep way because I my brain cannot handle it. But I had just been reading about it and then I started playing Outer Wilds and a bit in the like kind of tutorial area where there's uh the the rock and then it disappears the museum, and then it yeah. reappears somewhere else. I was like, oh my god, oh my god, it's like quantum mechanics. Ah! And I was so excited. And then I Oh thought, my god! Like, oh my god, I... that's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> did you did you have to essentially research all that as like a team? Or did you have somebody that you could draw that kind of knowledge from? Or did you have to research that yourself? So that's my that's a hundred percent my brother. That's my brother wow. being like, wouldn't it be cool if like when you turned around, it actually started off as like a, as a kind of a horror thing that he prototyped early right. on. It's like, what if you turned around and the skeleton was right there? Like, <laughs> what, what if that, Alex? <laughs> Why? <laughs> Um, but like he was like, oh yeah, because like when you turn around, the trees are have have moved slightly, so like you don't necessarily know right away what's off, mm. but you know something's off. And I'm like, right. I'm so relieved you didn't make a horror game. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he had that going on, and then the gnome I talk about it mm-hmm. because they are encountering in a lot of ways the player's journey is kind of mirroring the gnomes, where you're discovering all of these things as you go that they have discovered previously. Um, which I knew was going to have to be a thing so that toward the end, you could kind of pick up where they left off, so to speak. Right. Um, trying not to do any major spoilers here. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, having them discuss what's happening in a way that feels both scientific and approachable, mm-hmm. that was that was a lot of what I was doing there. And so it's a lot of, you know, I want to understand exactly what's going on so that I'm able to talk about it in a way that's not, you know, you don't want to say too much and then be like mm-hmm. oh i've kind of just beefed this even even though you know again like this is a fictionalized version yeah. of quantum mechanics but alex it was really important to him um and also to uh to lowen um who is our our uh the, the lead designer on the project um he they, they really wanted that you know p- to preserve that science and that's i think a very fun thing about speculative like science fiction is just mm-hmm. you can take a thing and and go like all right what if this thing that we know roughly how it works works also like this this kind of sideways right. you know so i'm not you know most of my my game writing does not have to be that level of like mm-hmm. scientifically accurate but it is a useful skill to be able to have and then, researching about golf and writing about golf would lead you to writing about quantum mechanics <laughs> That's one yeah. heck of a leap. <laughs> it is. Um, I didn't have to write too much about anything like uh, like when I was doing, what do you call it? Um, cryogenics. I'm so sorry. That was a lot of me working with like content management. So it was a lot of, you know, it was a lot of editing. It was a lot of like proofreading. It was, um, mm-hmm. we had both like an online publication, a couple, and then also like one that's kind of a members only thing. And then we had a physical uh, print magazine that I was like laying articles out in and kind of designing within the, you know, existing design standards for the publishing company that was a lot of fun um but i wasn't doing as much writing then uh what happened basically was just i um while i was working there i was also moonlighting working on outer wilds because outer wilds started as my brother's thesis project and then in 2015 we won some awards at igf and we were not expecting that (laughs) so i actually flew out too i took i used my like my five vacation days at the time to take that week off and go out there and like it was really cool and i got brought on they brought so um mobius digital is the company my brother works for now um he joined them and they agreed to bring on uh outer wilds and and Mm -hmm. continue with it till publication 
and they brought me on part-time as a contractor to continue to do the writing. And then eventually, um, I around, I think, 2017, uh, I went and made the switch to working on that full-time for a while. And then I went on to work um, on contract full-time for like Insomniac. And then I started freelancing after that, once that was up, because I was like, well, because I did 10 months on site there. And then I was like, I can't go back. (laughs) It's it's so addicting to do a creative thing like that. So Mm -hmm. cool. What did you aspire to before? Because like I said, you worked for The Onion at one point as well, which is Mm -hmm. very, very different. Like, so what did you aspire to to at the beginning? And then how did you find your way this kind of direction? What what brought you on this journey? Ah, so 2015, no, sorry, 2016, I switched over, yeah, to working as, um, I, I went from being an editor to being an editorial assistant, working in mm-hmm. editorial operations. So it was supporting the writers. And that was right. specifically because I wanted to work in kind of an entertainment sector. Um, mm-hmm. When I had started out in college, I thought books, but it turned out books wasn't quite what I expected. Um, and I liked the faster pace of like online publishing and, Mm -hmm. um, like magazine publishing, that sort of thing. So then I was working at the onion. Um, but it was, it it was, it was a fun job, obviously, like, don't get me wrong. Um, kind of (laughs) corporate, surprisingly, in my experience. I know, right. Um, the writers were a blast, but unfortunately, like I couldn't really do too much in the way of creative stuff there because the divide between like the writers and then like editorial operations support staff was fairly firm. Um, Mm. cause you know, and that makes sense to me because you don't want as a writer, you don't want a bunch of people coming and being, I have an idea. And you're like, (laughs) please, this is my job professionally. I do this. (laughs) I did get to lead the Instagram team, which was very fun. Um, but it kind of was like, yeah, I really enjoy doing this more creative work with games. Um, and yeah, by the time 2017 hit, it was just, we were, my partner and I were in a position where I was like, all right, I'm going to do it. Let's make that jump. Um, and that's kind of how it ended up working out because just the more I worked on Outer Wilds, the more, and, and, and in comparison, especially to The Onion, where I'm like, this is probably one of the more creative offices I'm going to work in Mm -hmm. in publishing and I'm still not you know it turns out I really like writing (laughs) like way more than I liked being an editor so it was a good switch it just was also terrifying because you know yeah boy it was already hard enough to find jobs there for a while (laughs) yeah I suppose the pandemic didn't really help as well because things are kind of like uh, I don't even know. I don't, there's not even words for it anymore. At this oh, no. P- pandemic. That's when I went from I was living in North Carolina because I was on site there with um, that was where I was on site with um, um, Insomniac. Mm-hmm. So we'd moved from Chicago to there. And then I did for I think a year there or so um, I did just freelancing. So I was working. I worked a bit with like Techland who just put out Dying Light 2. Mm-hmm. Um, so theoretically, some of my work is in that. <laughs> right. I haven't I haven't played it. I'm actually uh I have no idea how much of it actually made it in because it was more like design, like mission design stuff than it was actual like screenplay. But um, right. did some stuff like that. And then I, boy, that was, it was right at the start of the pandemic when I mm-hmm. flew out. I got a, a, an interview with Obsidian to be a narrative designer there. And then I worked there for two years. And right now uh, I am kind of wrapping up, taking a little bit of a break for some health reasons. Um including those repetitive motion injuries. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Don't recommend getting those. <laughs> no, I can imagine for writing especially. Let's not. 
Oh, that's not oh I had to stop writing by hand. I love writing by hand just as like, I, this is a lot of people will be like, if you do what you love as your job, you'll start oh, yeah. not doing it as your hobby. Cause you'll hate it. No, <laughs> <laughs> I do so many. I like make games for fun on the side. Cool. I, you know, like we did. Oh my God. <laughs> I did. It's so stupid. I'm so sorry. I'm going to crack myself up. Um, <laughs> While I was at Obsidian, I did with my I met my uh, my friends Dan there, and Dan and I made a game at a game jam called um, We had just we were refreshing a prompt generator until we hit yelling at islands because they looked at you funny. <laughs> oh, I love it! <laughs> so we we made like a little game where it's like you you're a little dude on a cruise ship shouting at islands as they come <laughs> by, and like I did the the art for the faces. <laughs> um, that was a hand quote there for art, but. Actually, now that I say that, Dan's, Dan's going to yell at me if he hears this. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Dan. Because <laughs> uh, I'm not supposed to I'm not supposed to put art in hand quotes anymore. But <laughs> my friends are too that. kind. Um, that's fair, but, though. I think that's something we could all stand to not put air quotes around things that are like. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's really I, I'm, I'm going to stop doing that. It's uh, really hard, though, especially because like the muscle yes. memory of always being self-deprecating and whatever, like it just it happens. It's but also you mentioned... kind of my sense of humor. <laughs> You're right. So it's so hard to not be like, mm, yes, yeah, I'm a disaster <laughs> oh, human. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you you mentioned um, like the, the whole if you love your job, you like, you know, either you'll never work a day in your life or you'll hate it. Right. I think like Jess and I can also kind of relate to that because with yeah. like content creation and stuff, obviously, because like I'm a full time streamer, um, Jess streams and hosts and about a million other things <laughs> that she does as well. Jess, do you have the same kind of experience where like you feel like you you love what you do and that makes you want to do it more? But then it's really hard to balance the time. Yeah, right? well, that's a really interesting. I'm glad you it's funny that you brought up like, yeah, because I feel like there are kind of two ways it can go. And like, Kelsey, I'm so glad that for you that it's like truly your passion and you love doing it. And it's funny because like I recently kind of experienced this like huge burnout in terms of like content creation and like hosting and stuff like that like I haven't even done much of that really at all this year and it's been like one of the most mentally peaceful years of my life like <laughs> in part because I am just kind of focused on like doing other things you know yeah. and like you know I feel like I did all that kind of stuff for about 10 years and during those 10 years I truly did have that 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 passion that fueled me of like oh, it's not just for money. It's like what I want to do. You know, it was my job and I was so grateful that it was my job. But then toward the end of last year, I just like had this like major, major burnout in a way that I had never experienced before. And so like I just kind of changed gears and I'm like, oh, maybe it's something I'll return to in the future. You know, maybe it's not. But uh, so that's really interesting that you did kind of bring up like the two ways it can go because uh, yeah, I mean, it can well, be. I think I might even be somewhere in the middle myself. Really? But I'm honestly, I'm really glad to hear that you were able to find kind of a, a gear that worked for you there. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, because like it's, it's, um, I mean, it's still, a, it's still a job. It's none yeah. of this. You'll right. never work a day in your life. Like some days you go in and they're like, hey, so we changed this. And that means you're going to have to rewrite all this stuff over here. And also no. you're going to have to write it in this way that you hate. Oh, like, no. Okay. <laughs> and my brain, the easy way to do this would be like, okay, I'll just write what you're telling me here. Check mark done. But the way my brain works is very like, I can find an angle where everyone's going to like this a little more than it currently. And I mm -hmm. usually can. And I'm also, you know, like I'm making more work for myself, basically. Right. And sometimes that is not the right call. And sometimes, you know, I need somebody on my team to be like, hey, don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, that, that helps a lot. But 
as much as I love doing this, the thing that saves it for me is um, I, I have a lot of writing and design and just content creation. I make a lot of stuff. Um, that is a tiny llama tiki bar behind me for my little my little stuffed llama beans. Oh, um, nice. It, it just I think it's really important, especially for for game devs to have an outlet that is creative and is also kind of just for for them mm-hmm. because it's so hard to it's kind of like my identity for a long time was kind of caught up in writer i'm a writer that's what i do and right. the second i started having health problems i'm like oh my god what am i if i'm not doing this all the time i love doing this i'm passionate mm-hmm. about this i don't want to have to take a break oh my god what if i fall behind for for taking yeah. a break i'm like boy that's a great way to hurt yourself it turns mm-hmm. out oh yeah absolutely that's definitely a problem i think that we as a society don't really talk about enough as well is like um having burnout is always obviously a risk but not taking any time for yourself and to do a thing that is just for you and like as a a person i went from full-time games industry to um so i was a project manager and then into um content creation which obviously is quite different I got into this really horrible habit of being like, oh, this game is great. It would make really great content for my stream. This game is great. I'm not going to play it for fun. I'm going to stream it. And that's terrible because there are now like a stack of games that I have never played because there's not enough time in the day. (laughs) I need things for me. (laughs) Yeah. Well, speaking of breaks, though, I believe it is going to be a good time to take another little ad break. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back with more Boss Level. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The wait is over. The Shy returns May 10th on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the south side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Gotta get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. In just a few taps, 
in the Angie app or clicks on the site. You can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. Renters, you can use Angie too for moving, installations, or cleaning. Angie can even help with extremely specific projects. Just tell them what you need and Angie will find the right solution for you. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com or download the app today. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Take a pause from your to-do list with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Welcome back to Boss Level, everybody. We are here with Kelsey Beecham, and let's continue talking and digging deep into your career and your journey through game narrative design. So I have a question for you. Um, Have you had any big failures in your time that you feel you have learned from on your journey? No, uh, I'm a writing genius, and (laughs) I'm perfect. I've never done anything wrong in my life. (laughs) So I just wanted to try it, but uh, (laughs) yes, God, yes. So many. Um, Actually, I will also say not to just immediately spin this. Um, so, well, we'll talk about an actual failure, I promise. But also, I think a lot of game dev in a way is kind of failing and failing quickly and failing mm-hmm. efficiently and being like, okay, this did not work for the player. How do I change that? Why didn't it work? How do I not fail this next time? Or if you need to fail this next time, I mean, sometimes I will put something in brackets and just be like, here is the bad shit version of this. And then I write <laughs> that. And like, weirdly, that gives me... I don't know, sometimes just giving myself permission to be like, write literally just the bare bones things thing that works, even though you're like using phrases like, oh my God, and you know you can't use God in this universe or whatever. Because mm-hmm. um, I used to be very like, ah, I don't want people to read this until it's actually good. And that's like the worst possible thing you can do in development. So now I feel very like enthusiastically where it's a bit more like, hey, I know the writing is shit. Tell me what you think about the concept, though. (laughs) (laughs) That's very interesting. I feel like years ago I heard someone, like, give writing advice that was like, you just get it out, you know? Like, if you have an idea, you you don't worry about whether it's perfect. You don't worry, because you can always go back and edit it. You just got to get it out. Like, does that resonate with you? Oh, 100%. And one of the frustrating things with game dev is in a writing, just a purely writing setup, like, I don't know if you were taking a class or something, maybe I've taken like a literally one writing class. So I don't know how true this is, but um, OK, like if you're if you're sending something shit like to other writers, um, mm-hmm. even just in, in, in your game where you're like, yeah, OK, I've got this dialogue down. Tell me what you have to think about this. They kind of know they've got a good sense of like where you guys are at on the project and like, oh, OK, like I'm sure X, Y, Z is going to get more development and blah, blah, blah. So I should focus on you kind of know what to give feedback on, especially once you know your coworkers reasonably well, because you're going to know your writing team. Right. 
other game devs do not know this. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes they're like, you used Oh My God here. We don't have gods in our universe. And I think that you should probably change that. And I'm like, it, yeah, man, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't want to be like, I know that already. Because then that like terrifies people yeah. and they don't want to give you feedback anymore. And you do want to get feedback from your non-writing game devs, obviously, because that's really important. But at the same time, sometimes you're just like, Please just focus on the the idea that is here yeah. and not maybe the specific words. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely get it out there and get it out there fast. Just mm-hmm. you got to let go of it, man. <laughs> I do curious, that to myself some days still. Uh, have you ever taken part in NaNoWriMo, National Novel Writing Month? Hmm. Because that is definitely a concept that I've had to accept is that you just have to write and it doesn't matter if it doesn't really hit the notes you want it to as long as it's the general that? concept is there <laughs> I, have, you, have I, you done Nanarima? i have i finished ah! it a few times i'm going to tell you a Good really fun you. story because i think this is really funny <laughs> i was so into writing for national novel writing month every single year and then something happened on the 11th of november 2011 can you imagine what it might be can any can either of you guess what might have happened on the 11th of November 2011 that might have stopped me from writing? I'll tell you. Skyrim came out. Oh, I was like, that, I know that date and I don't know why. I was like, yeah. <laughs> my I, word like, count was going up steadily and hit a point and it just didn't. It, it oh, flatlined completely. Uh, and that year, because they have like a graph that tracks your word count over time. That is the one year where I just hit like what I was perfect word count every single day. You have to write 1,667 words to stay on track. And I hit that day and I didn't write another word. <laughs> Terrible. Outstanding. Oh, my God. I've actually I've never done NaNoWriMo, but I have like my bookshelf behind me is just full of like saved bits and pieces of stories I started and haven't you know oh, finished cool. or whatever and that i think was a big I, I don't know if it's a failure exactly but an area i used to fall short on was um endings because if you're always mm. starting a story and then not finishing it you're right, very yeah. good at starting you are not good at finishing <laughs> um, <laughs> but I actually to be honest my real failure here i think as a writer uh was maybe last year when i just did not I don't want to get into necessarily the specific health concerns but i can mm. at least talk about the repetitive motion injuries I did not realize how serious those were. Mm. Um, And I took them seriously and everything, but just we're not really set up to accommodate those. I had to learn, you know, new software. I had to find ways to even just writing by, you know, because there's voice to text, obviously, but Mm -hmm. it changes how I write. I have I have noticed that medium and method matter to me a lot, which Mm -hmm. is why sometimes if I'm stuck on something like really badly, with games, I will sometimes just get out like a pen and paper and go, okay, like let's get this down. Right. Um, I don't neglect your health. And I I thought I was being one of those people that was like, I am taking it seriously. I am doing some stuff about it. I'm just just being a trooper. People kept being like, <laughs> Oh, Kelsey, you're such a trooper. And I'm like, I no, I should have not. I should have yeah. taken a break sooner. Um, and I I hit burnout as a result as well. Like just being creative stopped being exciting to me because mm-hmm. I was dealing with so much in terms of my health. Um, so yeah, I think I think I kind of failed myself on that one because it right. was really hard to kind of come back from that place. Um, wouldn't recommend it. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. That's something we were kind of talking about, like right before the podcast. Weren't we just talking about breaks? Like Psyche, were you on yes. kind of like a little break? 
Yeah, so I I just took, and it was a small thing, but I took I took a long weekend this weekend, and I I realized I'm going to share something that I haven't shared with anybody yet because I think this is kind of something that was a a a sort of weird awakening for me. Um, I get really big games industry FOMO because I worked in the games industry for eight years. Uh, eight years, ten years, eight years. I don't remember Uh, some amount of time. Um, and I left the games industry because I hit burnout. And I started creating content full time, but I still see cool jobs that are in areas of the games industry that I find really exciting and I apply for them or I get really, really interested in them. And I I think about applying for them. And I recently had an opportunity come up and it was with somebody who I absolutely loved working with before. And they had this really great idea. And I was like, oh, that sounds great. And then they sent me all the information and I realized I was I was thinking, how can I fit this in with all the other stuff that I'm doing? Can I find time that I could do both? How would this work? And I realized it had been like two or three weeks and I hadn't replied to the person who had sent me the opportunity. And I was like, I think that's my answer. I don't think I can fit this in. So I took a long weekend this weekend and realized that probably wasn't actually enough time. So I'm going to take another holiday because I think I need to take some time away. It's hard. I feel like burnout is one of those things, especially with creative stuff. Um, I I imagine from like a narrative design point, especially if you're really excited by what you do. And if you're really in, like you like making games in your spare time because that's what you enjoy. It can be really hard to switch off, right? It's oh, my God. Yes. Also, my partner uh, is in the games industry. So and that doesn't my, help. <laughs> my best friend is in the games industry. My brother is in the games industry. It can be so hard to stop. And yeah, honestly, my partner, John, um, he's very good at being like, hold on. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm talking about it too much again. I'm, um, and he's he's really sweet about it. Just he's you know, it's out of he's learned like he has such a good sense of a, a work life balance. Mm-hmm. And it's not that he's ever, you know, also, his company is great about it, where if he's putting right. in a ton of extra time, he might get like a comp day or something. Um, oh, okay. Or they're just really encouraging, like, if you take time off, you take the time, you know, like, if you need time off, you take the time off. There are a mm-hmm. lot of places that talk a good game about that sort mm-hmm. of thing. And then yeah. in practice, and they're like, well, it's what the company needs. And you're like, yeah, but. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. absolutely true. Um, learning how to kind of stop that was great, but also just learning how to kind of separate that out from, because it used to be like, if I got writer's block or if I stopped finding making games fun, it was a huge, like, oh my God, who am I, am I as a human then? Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm doing it in a silly voice, but I mean, it kind of was that it was a big, like foundational, oh my God, this is how I think of myself. This is who I am. And that's, I guess therein is, lies the danger of thinking yourself of yourself, uh, as a particular mm-hmm. job, um, but I mean, I am a writer uh, fundamentally, whether that's in a professional capacity or not, I'm still writing, I'm still mm-hmm. creating. So that's helped me a lot. And it sounds like such a small, like shift in perspective, but it's been huge for me. That's good. Do you plan to ever write, uh, a full novel? Ooh, my, uh, <laughs> my family asks me that all the time. Oh. <laughs> my extended family. Hello, I'm related to um, you. <laughs> apparently. <laughs> my grandpa would always ask me that. Um, I might, actually. Uh, someday, I might. There's something I'm working on, an IP that I'm, I'm really... I think it's going somewhere. Um, and I don't know what... It's weird, because it's a creative thing I have in my head. And I don't know what the best format like the best medium is for it in terms Mm -hmm. of storytelling it might be more of a comic i'm not sure but 
it's really exciting that I am, I'm at this point in my life friends with so many creative people that, you know, I can talk to them about it and get, I don't know, ideas back or feedback or, or even just in terms of like, how is this best experienced as a story? Um, I don't know. I don't know if it'll be, it kind of depends. Some of it depends on just, um, do I want this to be a shared project or not? Uh, which obviously I have never in my life had a game where I've written the story and then like, aha, disseminate it now. <laughs> you know, it's just, that's just not what games writing is. Mm-hmm. So I do really like the idea of writing, you know, a novel or something where it's like, this is, you know, it might be more like a series of short stories that are all related or something like that. Right. But mm-hmm. I love the idea of getting to do something where I'm actually fully in control of what the, what the text is. That's really cool. Um, something you mentioned earlier, you you said I just I kind of want to bring us towards like a kind of XP boost part of the show, which is um, you mentioned advice for people who wanted to get into like narrative design and writing was to play games and to make games if you could in your time, your spare time, even if it's just a small game or whatever. Um, apart from that piece of advice that you've given, do you have any like resources that you would recommend for people who wanted to get into narrative design or games writing? Ooh. Are there any? <laughs> There are, um, I mean, there are books and not and whatnot that you can read, but actually I would say if you want to get into narrative design, what you should really do is also study a lot of game design. And there's certainly plenty of resources for that, but specifically, um, you're looking for what your text can hook into, what mm-hmm. it can support. Um, not everyone requires that not all not all games writing jobs require that i've been using the two kind of interchangeably because that tends to be my role Mm -hmm. but every project is different sometimes you're you might you know if you're a writer that you're just writing a script and you're not doing as much with like you know you're not necessarily gonna go contact the audio team and be like okay like let's talk about how this is getting played out and all that um yeah, I just think a really a really solid understanding of play and of game design, just general theory, is is mm-hmm. incredibly useful here. Um, man, I really I cannot recommend playing games enough as as a good way to do this though, because just going through, you can catalog like, all right, what are the options that I have here to um, kind of disseminate. I say disseminate, boy, that's a <laughs> good full nerd. <laughs> You know, how, how are you putting that story information out there in the world? Um, I would recommend maybe teaching yourself how to write like a script. Um, I have not had that many jobs where I needed to do that, but I'd recommend it. Um, it's just a useful skill to have. And then if you can get some experience with uh, uh, some experience with stuff like artificy or um, gosh, even like final draft, but ideally some tools that you can use to implement text in a game. Mm -hmm. Awesome. I guess specific resources depends a little on what sort of games you're looking to make as well. Like if you're looking to work with branching dialogue and you haven't made a twine game, holy shit. (laughs) Twine's great. (laughs) Oh yeah, it's a blast. I love that for, especially for small, like what I say with small projects. um, I know I've, I've already covered that, but having... I mean, if you're if you're applying for these jobs, you're going to have to provide samples. And a lot of people will take a lot of different stuff. I've sent, gosh, I mean, I've sent branching dialogue and that you have to kind of find a way to, you know, implement that. Don't send an XML file. <laughs> <laughs> Not everyone knows how to read those. Mm-hmm. Um, 
honestly, Twine, I've, I've literally put conversations in Twine and allowed people to like click through them with a static photo or something. Mm -hmm. Um, that's useful, but like show that, show that you can do that. Um, and ideally show that you can make a complete piece of, of content. Um, so like first, first couple pages of a script or something is fine. I'm definitely not saying send a full script, but I am saying like, in addition to that show somewhere on your resume or on your personal website or wherever that you have completed that script. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Das, do you have any other questions before we hit our wrap up for the day? I don't think so. Unless, you know, Kelsey, if you'd like to share with us what's next, if you have plans, if you don't want to share, or if you don't have plans, that's okay. I personally, like I'm a very fly by the seat of my pants, let things come to me lately kind (laughs) of person. So if you are the same way, that's totally cool. And you don't have to, Share your plans, but I'm just curious. Oh, no, I'm a schemer. (laughs) (laughs) Good. I have always got something going. I am working on a few, uh, like, smaller projects with some people, um, and we'll see which which of those pan out. But um, I am kind of, yeah, wrapping up my break now that I am in better shape and my arms work again, (laughs) correctly. Helpful. (laughs) Love that. Can't get enough of it. Um, So, yeah, and uh, there are a few studios that I've, I am looking at slash talking with. So um, uh, I'm not quite sure what the end result is going to be, but I am I am excited, uh, which is nice to be able to say. I do want to ask also, since we're getting to the wrap up portion, um, what are your favorite pastas? Okay, that's oh. a great question. I like mm-hmm. uh, flat pastas. I like all pastas, but I like flat pastas. I like things that I can make into delicious sauces. And really, I just really like carbs. <laughs> oh, yeah. Same. perfectly honest but I'd, I'd say probably linguine probably i'm i'm partial to penne because it feels easier to stab with a fork it's less messy there's no twirling involved the, twir- the, the twirling can be fun there's an art to it but it also can be like a little messy and if i'm in a hurry and i just want pasta in my mouth fast gotta go with penne plus good good for arranging a bite with it if you've got like mushrooms and other things in there yeah. yes yeah That's yeah, yeah. Nice you can really get a yeah. nice couple of layers the in linguine there. always ends up pasta. with me splashing sauce on my face and in my yeah, hair i never eat it with a white shirt on yeah yeah Bad idea. can't be done <laughs> <laughs> all right so i guess i will ask then where can people find you on the internet kelsey oh uh, i am on twitter under my my <laughs> my old roller derby name at van kelsing love that uh, like Van Helsing, but with a K. Uh, I am also uh, at KelseyBeecham.com because way back in college, I uh, saved my own name as a domain. And now no Just one in case can you were a famous game designer someday. <laughs> and it worked out. <sighs> I wish I'd had that kind of foresight. <laughs> it was just available. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, uh, I'm fairly active on Twitter, but also uh, my website has more of my contact information if you're looking to get in touch with me for something specific. All right, great. And Jess? Um, let's see. People can find me on Twitter at Jess Brohard or on Instagram at Jess Brohard. I'm not really creating a ton of content these days, but sometimes I post little videos of me skating and playing hockey, both of those places. <laughs> I love that. Uh, you can find me as uh, Psyche, twitch.tv forward slash Psyche, or you can find me as Psyche Plays on pretty much all social media except TikTok. I've started making TikTok videos, but Psyche Plays was taken, so I'm Psyche Twitch because I couldn't think of anything else. <laughs> And that's it for today. Thank you all so much for your support so far. Please don't forget to follow us on social media at the Boss Level Pod. That is Boss Level LVL. And if you have any suggestions for guests or topics you'd like to discuss in more depth, be sure to join our Discord. We'll see you in the next episode. Bye. Bye. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for The Everyday Guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card... Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex.